You'd think that as a video game podcaster and comedian, my life is all fun and games. And honestly, you'd be right. About 90% of the time, it's, it's pretty sweet. But every morning, I deal with something very, very serious. My face. You don't become an Edmonton 6 overnight. It takes work. And in my case, it takes good facial hair. And fortunately, I have a great facial hair tag team partner in Harry's. Hit up harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set and see what I'm talking about. Harry saw the tire fire that the shaving market had become and asked, how did it get like this? Crappy plastic razors, overpriced blades, all locked up like gold bars. And they said, no, we... We can fix this. And damn it, they did. Harry's ships premium quality razors right to your door. About once a month, I check my mail and there's that little box with everything I need to keep my kid presentable status. The blades stay sharp longer, which means an easier time getting my face in order in the morning. And the razors don't look like a dumb piece of plastic that a junior high schooler uses to take care of their peach fuzz. You have the facial hair of a man now. Shave like one. I actually leave my razor handle on the bathroom counter all the time just because it looks so damn classy. Harry's blades are German engineered and they're made to last. They're the best blades on the market for the best price and you don't even have to go out to get them. Set your delivery schedule and shave like a king. I know it sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. I've used Harry's forever. These blades are really freaking good. Highest reviews in the industry. A money back guarantee that you're not going to need and a subscription that you can cancel anytime you want. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And This week is episode 113, and we're talking Kirby Superstar for the Super Nintendo. Listen, I know some people write Kirby off and they just think whatever he's just for babies and maybe that makes sense because the modern games are kind of just for babies but early Kirby is awesome all right some of his early games are some of his best they're not some of his best they are his best work Kirby's adventure on the NES uh, which we covered back on episode 86 of the show is awesome and for my money Kirby Superstar on the Super Nintendo is the best Kirby video game in existence uh, potential someday possible maybe Hall of Famer Mark McHugh makes his triumphant return to the podcast this week and we're going to tell you why you should play Kirby Superstar even if you don't like Kirby in just a few minutes first it's time for our fabled remember the game intro and first before I get into the intro if I sound like I'm breathing heavy or my nose is really stuffed up or something it's because I am breathing heavy and my nose is really stuffed up my allergies are just going haywire and when my allergies get bad then my asthma hits threat level midnight so uh if this is your first time ever listening to the show i am out of shape but don't let this like i'm not it's not like i'm running out of breath sitting here talking okay i've got it i'm I'm sick okay i've got a fucking condition so that's 
That's what it is. Okay, let's get into the intro. Uh, Thank you to everyone that has been listening to our new gaming news show, Game Patch. Episode 1 went uh, live here on the Remember the Game feed where a lot of you listened to it. But episode 2 was on just the Game Patch feed and it went live on Monday morning. So if you missed it, look for Game Patch wherever you get podcasts and then just subscribe and then you'll never miss an episode. It's our new gaming news show. People seem to really like it. It's a more laid back, profanity laced kind of news show. You guys, if you listen to this uh, this program, you guys know what I bring to the table. I swear and get angry about stupid stuff and I have opinions about video games. And that's what it is mixed in with a little bit of actual gaming news. Uh, and if you just hit us up at rememberthegamepodcast.com, I did all the legwork for you. I've got links there and it'll just let you to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcast Podbean, quick and painless new episodes go live every monday subscribe and don't miss one or sign up for our patreon and you'll get it three days early you'll get it friday morning instead of monday morning so you'll have it to kick off your beautiful friday and your long weekend or your week not long weekend i guess it could be a long weekend i'm fucking this up but anyway sign up on patreon and get it three days early just like alan c Andre SJA Flash, Andre, I hope I said that right. Tom, Brian Morerdos, and Ashley Cronenbitter have all done over the last seven days or so. So thank you all so much for the support. I really appreciate it. It's only two bucks a month. You get early access to Game Patch and you get access to our Patreon exclusive show expansion pass. You can submit comments to be read on the show. When we hit 200 Patreon supporters, everyone in that 200 is going to get a gift mailed to them from me as well. Uh, And I'm telling you guys, as a small independent content creator, that two bucks helps me so much more then you know patreon.com slash remember the game i've tried to make it as affordable as i could uh these shows simply couldn't exist without your support so thank you uh, last sunday's expansion pass was our monthly q a every month one episode is dedicated to just talking about whatever the patreons want to talk about uh for this upcoming sunday i think i'm going to review high score which is the video game documentary uh series that's on netflix right now you should absolutely watch it but i'm going to give you a review of that i think on sunday uh oh and and our Patreon poll for September is live as you're hearing this in your ears. It's running until September 7th. So it is a great time to sign up because you can vote in the poll and help pick one of the games that we're going to cover here on Remember the Game. It's made up completely of games that you guys have asked for that I haven't played and that I have access to. Uh, and this month's contenders are Sonic Adventure for the Dreamcast, although I will be playing the Xbox version, but we're going to call it the Dreamcast one. Batman for the NES, Metroid Fusion on the Game Boy Advance, Tecmo Super Bowl on the Super Nintendo, Parappa the Rappa for the PlayStation 1, and Sonic Spinball on the Sega Genesis. So sign up and you can vote in that. We'll cover one of those in an upcoming episode of the show. And while I'm shamelessly self-promoting myself, Twitch is going strong. I've got a locked-in schedule. Unless comedy gets in the way, I will be streaming every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night from 8 to 11 Mountain Time, which is 7 to 10 Pacific, and it is 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern. Uh, and if you live in like Australia or the UK or something, I'm sorry. I, it's probably like the next day at two in the morning. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, I, I'm doing my best here. I'm trying. Uh, I will probably hop on for a fourth stream most weeks whenever I can fit it in. So if you follow me at member the game, not remember, member the game on Twitch, it'll tell you every time I log in and then you can come by and tell me that I suck and watch me play video games. And I usually make fun of people with the chat and whatever. It's, it's a fun little adventure that we're doing. So there's my same as self-promotion. I'm done. Let's get into the show. I like to start with a few comments and questions from our Patreons. We call this segment Blowing in the Cartridge. Uh, and if you're on Patreon, don't hesitate to weigh in, all right? I don't have thousands of Patreon supporters. So I see every comment, and if you comment, you will get on the show sooner than later. I promise. All right? So let us blow in the cartridge. 
<clears throat> Doug Dorn wrote in over on the old Patreon service. And Doug said, I've never gotten into RPGs, but there seems to be a lot of dedicated fans that remember the game industries. What one retro RPG that is easily available would you recommend for a skeptical listener to try? That is a great question, Doug. And it's tough because I admittedly, I get nervous when I recommend games because I don't want someone to spend their hard-earned money and then hate the game they played that I suggested and then they end up hating me uh, you know, like if I plug a game on here, it's like I have with Slay the Spire, I've plugged Shovel Knight, Hollow Knight, you know, a few of those things. Uh, it's because I really sincerely stand by it. And I just, if you don't like them, then you just don't like video games. Uh, but suggesting someone's first ever RPG is like, it's like, that's a lot of pressure. Because if I suggest the wrong game and you try it, Doug, now you hate RPGs forever. And that's on me. And I don't need that on my fucking conscience, man. So... Uh, luckily a few members of the community have weighed in or uh, they replied to Doug's post on the Patreon page with some suggestions, which takes some of the pressure off me. And I want to quickly flip through some of their comments. Robert Lippa wrote in or replied to Doug and Robert said, Pokemon is an easy one to pick up. It teaches weaknesses and strengths, especially the first generation final fantasy tactics and Vandal hearts. One and two are great PlayStation RPGs. The Switch also has the Final Fantasy Saga coming out soon, which contains Final Fantasy Legends 1 through 3, which, in my opinion, were some of the best RPGs on the Game Boy. If you like Mega Man, Battle Network might be something worth checking out. It's unique enough, and again, in my opinion, is a great Mega Man spinoff. I really think there's an RPG for everyone. It just comes down to preference. Good luck in your hunt. That's a nice uh, reply from Robert. Yeah, I love that community just coming together. Helping each other. We're all trying to get Doug hooked on RPGs. Uh, the only games in Robert's suggestion that I, I have played and therefore can 100% vouch for uh, are the old school first gen Pokemon games. And I agree 100%. Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow uh, are all great place to start. They're on the DS eShop, I believe. The 3DS, 2DS, whatever eShop. Uh, so if you've got them, uh, a 3DS or a 2DS, they're cheap. Um, and even if they don't get you into RPGs, those games are like the Super Mario Brothers of Pokemon, which is one of the biggest franchises in the world. So I feel like you should experience one of them anyway. It just feels like it just feels like that's one of the cards you have to check off to be a full-fledged gamer. You've got to play one of the early Pokemon games. Uh, in case you're wondering, Doug, Red and Blue are the exact same game. There's just a few different Pokemon in each one. Pokemon Yellow, you start out with a Pikachu instead of choosing between Bulbasaur, Squirtle, and Charmander, the three starters. Uh, so other than that, it's pretty well, I think the same game. I prefer, I like blue because that's the one I had growing up, but any Pokemon red, blue, and yellow are a great suggestion from Robert. Uh, more people replied to Doug. Michael Mathis replied and he said, Final Fantasy IV, originally released as two in America for the Super Nintendo, is a really good one to play first. Chrono Trigger is always among the top for best RPG of all time. I'd check them out if you have the chance to. Uh, great uh, suggestions, Michael, no question. Final Fantasy four and Chrono Trigger are all time greats. No question about that. The only issue I can see with those suggestions, uh, are just how readily available they are without using ROMs. Of course, uh, Chrono is on the Chrono Triggers on the Vita four might be as well. Final Fantasy four might, it might be on the Vita as well. Uh, but I know personally, I played Chrono Trigger on my Vita and I found the menu load times on the PlayStation edition of Chrono Trigger fucking unbearable. Like I couldn't play it. It was just too fucking slow. Uh, but if you can if you can stand it, then they're a great place to try. If you can find Final Fantasy 2 on the Super Nintendo or Chrono Trigger, great, great suggestions to play. They're just a little hard to find. Chrono Trigger in particular is very expensive for a real cart. 
Personally, I would recommend Final Fantasy 2 over Chrono Trigger as your first RPG, but that's just because Chrono Trigger is a little bit deeper, in my opinion, with coming up with the combos and stuff like that. Uh, 4 is... I call it Final Fantasy 4, but it's Final Fantasy 2 on the Super Nintendo. So whatever. Uh, Final Fantasy 2 is pretty linear, so that might be an easier first RPG experience, and I just like it better than Chrono Trigger, but that's just me. They're both great games, so that's a good suggestion. And James Clark suggest or uh replied to doug as well and james clark said i would suggest any of the old school turn-based rpgs that came out in the super nintendo or playstation era the newer ones can get overcomplicated. the previous two comments suggested pokemon and final fantasy those would be great one thing i would suggest is going into any or er, one thing i would suggest going into any rpg is to understand that most of them take a lot of time to complete i would say go and expecting to play 40 to 60 hours minimum Make sure you read everything that is said. This story is supposed to draw you in. Many of them have times where you are supposed to feel some emotion. So understanding what's going on and becoming connected with the characters really helps you get that feeling of anger, betrayal, loss, etc. If the length of the game seems too long for you, consider playing a couple hours a week here and there. RPGs are some of the best games out there, in my opinion. It's like reading a book where you become more immersed in the world. If there's a great storytelling and great gameplay, the game will stay in your memory your entire life. Good luck. Uh, That is a great post by James a great reply very emotional which I get some people may think think it seems a little silly to get too worked up and too emotionally attached to video games but I fucking get it a trillion percent so I totally get where James is coming from and for Doug or anyone that's new to RPGs most of them are a mouthful like you're biting off a big hunk of game you're not gonna run through it in a couple of hours admittedly there are no RPGs on the Patreon poll this month because I have too many other games that I want to play and I'm like I just do not have time for another fucking 40 hour RPG this month uh, to me, the best RPGs get you invested in the teams and in the characters, and then you really want to talk to everyone and explore and learn about the world. That They draw you in. They are, like James said, they're definitely like books. The good ones are. Uh, anyway, uh, and I get that they're not for everyone because they're not really that action-y. A lot of them, especially the old JRPGs, are just very slow. You just button press and read. Um, but it's just such a predominant genre in gaming that I think everyone should at least try an RPG. And most of them are beatable, no matter how good or bad you are at the game, especially the old school ones, because you can just grind for experience points over and over and over, keep leveling up your characters, make your characters stronger and stronger, and then by default, that makes the game easier and easier. Uh, I'd also suggest playing on something portable, if possible, play on your Switch, your 3DS, your Vita, whatever. RPGs are like my definitive play while I watch TV games, because when you're not in a village or something and collecting parts of the story, if you're just out either going through a dungeon or grinding for gold or whatever, it's very easy to like watch a TV show while you're just walking around the map grinding and leveling up your characters. It's great on the bus or on the toilet or whatever. You can just grind a little. So try to play it on something portable if you can. As far as what I would suggest, keeping in mind that Doug has asked for something easily available, if you have a 3DS or a 2DS, I really like the Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow suggestion. And they're dirt cheap. I just looked it up for you. On my computer, uh, 14 bucks US gets you one of those games. So that's like less than $20. Even if you, Canada, US doesn't matter. Uh, and I know there's a ton of options, but for a first RPG, those are great games at a cheap price. So if you don't like it, you're not out of fortune. And I really think that's just one of those games that everyone should experience is Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow. If you've got a Switch uh, or a PS4 or an Xbox, frankly, I would just suggest Switch because it's portable. Uh, I think I would lean toward Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy IX. Uh, they're both available on everything. 
I think I would lean more toward nine over seven just because I think it's the better game, but they're both great games, great RPGs. Seven is just such a historic title that you really should experience. Uh, and if you've got an SNES classic, Earthbound and Final Fantasy three or Final Fantasy six here, whatever it was six in, in Europe or Japan or whatever, it's three here, but Earthbound and Final Fantasy three are both on the Super Nintendo classic. They're both absolute masterpieces. I don't know if I'd recommend either as your first RPG because they're a little deeper, uh, well, Final Fantasy is, Earthbound is just weird, but if you've got an SNES classic, then they're free, and you can just try them out that way. Uh, so that's kind of my suggestion based on what you're playing on. If money isn't a big issue, and you've got access to multiple systems, my top recommendation would either be Pokemon, Red, Blue, Yellow, or Final Fantasy IX. Uh, so let me know what you go with, Doug, if anything. I'm curious to see what you think. Thank you to all of you guys that weighed in with your opinions and helped us out, and let's see if we can turn Doug into an RPG nerd just like the rest of us are. And there's one more uh, comment that I wanted to get to before we go to play one, remake one, erase one. Wyman Brooks wrote in on Patreon with a fantastic comment about the blowing in the cartridge segment as a whole. So I've nominated it as this week's letter of the week. So with that said, it's letter time. It's letter time. Wyman Brooks wrote in and he said, I assume it's he. I guess it could be a she. I just assume Wyman was a guy's name. Anyway could be a Z. Okay, Wyman Brooks wrote in, and Wyman said, I love the name of the new slash rebranded blowing in the cartridge segment, but as a game preservationist, which I believe you are as well, I think we need a one-time disclaimer about the long-term effects of this practice. The moisture and condensation from your breath can cause corrosion and gunky buildup on your cartridges and in your consoles over time, leading to blinking lights, white screens, freezing, and distorted images, among other things. We are all guilty of this practice, but as responsible adult retro gamers, we need to put our mouths away in favor of some Q-tips and some 91% isopropyl alcohol. I don't know what that is. Alcohol. Love the show, Adam. Keep up the great work. That is a hell of a letter, Wyman. It made me laugh because of the like overly dramatic, serious tone of it. But at the same time, it's also completely true. I think most people know this by now, but just in case you don't, you should not technically blow in your cartridges because you get your spit in there and it does cause problems with them trying to work long term. Plus, now you could give it COVID and then you put it back on the shelf and now all your games get sick and your whole collection is fucking ruined. Uh, we, we actually had a cleaning device when we were kids back in like the nineties, like the early nineties. I remember my mom, we got this big, it was this big pink fucking square thing with a handle on it. And you could put a cleaning solution on the end and then put it in the NES to clean the NES. And then it also came with this flat little T-shaped brush and you could put again, the cleaner on it and you could use that to clean the, uh, the, like the barcodes or whatever they're called, the chip thingy at the bottom of the cartridge. And, uh, dude, you clean your games and you take this brush out and it was just fucking gross, like just black, slimy, gross. So yeah, clean your games. If you're a retro game collector, clean your fucking cartridges, but don't use, don't blow, use Q-tips and use alcohol. Don't blow into your games. Okay. Uh, we are going to keep calling this segment blowing in the cartridge though, because I do not want to call this segment inserting Q-tips. Uh, but great advice, Wyman. Great advice. Outstanding letter. That was our letter of the week. Uh, and that's enough blowing this time around. Let's get into our new smash hit segment. Play one, erase one, remake one. Each week, I give our listeners three retro games. They can play one just like they remember it as it was released. They can remake a second one into a current-gen game with current-gen graphics and all that kind of stuff. The third game is Erased Forever. 
And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. This segment started. Originally, this segment, I thought of just making those graphics because I post the graphics of it uh, to put on social media to try to get more social media followers. Because I see so many other people doing like, oh, you can only play one. Which one is it? And then they get all these followers out of it. So I thought, well, I'll do play, play one, remake one, erase one, and that'll get me followers. And then when we started Game Patch and I moved the gaming news stuff over there, I was like, well, I got to fill some time in the intro, so let's try doing this on the show. And it has just completely blown up. It has become the most debated and active segment on the show as far as Patreon comments and everything, bar none. Uh, I love it. I fucking love this segment. And this week, it is the Sega edition. We are talking about the beloved classic Sonic the Hedgehog 2, iconic retro RPG Fantasy Star 4, and the absolutely rad Shinobi 3. Uh, We've actually covered all three of these games on the show as well. So if you're newer to the show, look into our archives, the Sega Genesis archives, you will find episodes about Sonic 2, Fantasy Star 4, and Shinobi 3. Uh, as always, I got way more responses than I could possibly read on here and get through, but I'm going to bomb through a few of them right now. There's no wrong answers, but there is a correct one. And I'll tell you what it is in just a minute. A lot of you actually got the answer right this week, but I'm going to go through some answers we got first. And we're going to start with Desert Tortoise. And Tortoise says, easy, Sonic 2 is just superb as it is, maybe only because I've been playing it since I was seven, though. Uh, Your recent Let's Play of it brought me more joy than ever. A remake of Shinobi would be epic, and I never cared for Fantasy Star, so when it's erased, I won't miss it anyway. Uh, So Tortoise kicks us off, and he's playing Sonic. Thank you for plugging my Let's Play series as well. Look for Adam Sucks at Video Games on YouTube. I play all kinds of games and suck at them. Uh, He's going to remake Shinobi, and then he's dumping Fantasy Star because he didn't like it in the first place. I never have a problem with people dumping the one game they don't like. If one of the three, if they hate it, they're just like, fuck it, I don't even want this anymore. Get out of here. So Tortoise isn't afraid of the diehard Fantasy Star fans. You guys can go get them right now, but he said your game sucks, and he doesn't want to play it anymore. Uh, Andrew Halepchuk made his, called his shot and he said, I'd play Sonic two. I'd remake Shinobi three and I would erase fantasy star four. Same thing. Uh, but he gave me no reason whatsoever. No reasoning. Just, it says play Sonic, remake Shinobi, erase fantasy star. And he's done. I, uh, like, it's like he was paying per letter to submit his play remake erase here. And I, I, I love that ice cold approach. No reasoning. Don't even tell them why. You just pull the switch and you're fucking done. So thank you, Andrew. Miklos Blackshot wrote in. And Miklos said, I'd play Shinobi 3 because it's basically perfect. I'd remake Fantasy Star 4, give it an updated feel, better menu, better battle, etc. And it hurts me to say this, but I would erase Sonic 2. So here's the thing. Miklos is a frequent guest on our show here. And thank you for writing that in, Mick. Uh, He actually is the one that convinced me to play Shinobi for the first time. And he would play Shinobi, remake Fantasy Star, and erase Sonic. I gotta say, I get the logic. I know you're a big Shinobi fan. But it seems so crazy to me that a diehard Sega fan and a Sega kid could erase Sonic 2. That would be like a Nintendo kid erasing Mario Brothers 3, would it not? I'm not like, and listen, Sega kids, you tell me. But my understanding is that Sonic 2 is for the most part considered the best of the original trilogy, which is what Mario 3 is on the NES. And I just, I just, I, that's bold, Mick. I can't imagine, I'm not even that big a Sonic fan and I don't know if I could bring myself to erase Sonic 2. That is a fucking bold call, Miklos. Thank you for writing in. Uh, Doug Dorn wrote in and Doug said, can I just play Sonic 2, then remake it and erase both of the other games? Uh, (laughs) I love this, but no, no, you can't. Uh, That's not the goddamn rules. And just for that, Sonic 2 is erased and you have to do nothing but play Shinobi and Fantasy Star with a broken controller for the rest of eternity, Doug. So that's what you fucking get. 
Keegan Wilson wrote in, and Keegan said I'd play Sonic 2. It's my favorite of the original three, even though I was a Nintendo kid. I would erase Shinobi 3. I've never played it or any of the others in the series, so shrug emoji. And I'd remake Fantasy Star 4. I haven't played this either, but RPGs are my favorite genre, so give me a chance to play it with some better graphics and some quality of life upgrades. Uh, Thanks for writing in, Keegan. That is a popular answer, uh, but for various different reasons. Keegan has only played Sonic, and so he has to choose between an RPG and an action game to remake and erase, and he's just going to stick with his RPGs and get rid of an action game. And I can respect that. If that's your your genre you prefer, I can get behind that logic, Keegan. Rome21 wrote in and said, uh, same thing, but in a different way. He would play Sonic 2 since it's classic and doesn't need a remake as several stages have shown up in later titles. I'd remake Fantasy Star 4. It is one of the best RPGs on the Genesis and of the 16-bit generation. I'd love to see what Sega could do with it now. Please just keep it turn-based and give us Fantasy Star 5 already. And then he would erase Shinobi 3. Could never get into this franchise. Personally, I don't feel it really contributed as much to the legacy of video games as other ninja-based games like Ninja Gaiden. Plus, you still have the other two Shinobi games, so it's not a total loss. Uh, Thanks for writing in, Rome. Same order as Keegan, just different logic. Rome has played all three of them, but he'd remake Fantasy Star 4 because he thinks it's great, and he dumped Shinobi because he said there's two more Shinobi games. Now, I get that logic, Rome, but you could also argue there's two more Sonics and there's three more Fantasy Stars. So I would call you out for copping out that, you know, for coming to a cop-out reason to get rid of one and being afraid to actually criticize Shinobi on here. But you actually really called your shot and shat all over Shinobi by saying it hasn't contributed anything to gaming's legacy. That's a spicy take, Rome. So I respect that. I respect that you fucking backed it up with a hot take like that. And then finally, (laughs) OG Big Titus wrote in and he said, Play Sonic 2, the game is still the Sonic GOAT, and it holds up as is. Remake Fantasy Star 4, modern graphics and anime production plus values, or no, modern graphics and anime production values plus quality of life upgrades would make this game a beauty RPG pop for today's audiences. And then you erase Shinobi, ninja games are so 2000 and late and have been done countless other places. So Titus had the same answer as the others, which is the right answer, but... Titus, you lose a point for the 2000 and late drop. Fuck me. (laughs) 2000 and late. That's Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas. You're channeling your inner Fergie. It fucking just made me laugh when I read it. Because I was like, that's the order that I would do too. But not without the 2000 and late fucking shit. Uh, But again, he was right. As As was everyone that said they would play Sonic, remake Fantasy Star, and erase Shinobi. Okay, now listen, I'm not the world's biggest Sonic junkie. I suck at those games. Check out the Adam Sucks at Video Game Let's Play of Sonic 2 for proof. But Sonic 2 is great. It's, it's, it is Sonic's Mario 3. It's just, I do not, as a retro gaming fan, I do not have it in my heart to dump Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And I would remake Fantasy Star 4 because I played that for the first time a little while back in preparation for this show, and I almost really liked it. Clean it up. Like people have said, make some quality of life improvements. For the love of fuck, tell us what the spells do in that game. Don't just give them weird names. Just fucking let me hit the button and be able to tell what a goddamn spell does. I would love to play a modern remade version of Fantasy Star 4 because I almost really liked it. And then, yeah, I would dump uh, Shinobi 3. Not because it's 2000 and late. Fuck. (laughs) 
<laughs> it just makes me cringe because just every time I read it, I fucking hate it. Um, I actually like Shinobi 3 a lot. It's, oh no. Oh, I knocked my voice recorder off the table and thought I'd canceled the voice recording. We're still good. Uh, I like Shinobi 3 a lot. It's one of my favorite Genesis games, quite frankly. I, like playing it for the first time, I was like, this is fucking awesome. But I, just, I don't have the balls to dump Sonic, and I really want to play a remade Fantasy Star 4, so Shinobi's just kind of left out in the cold. It's not, it's not you, Shinobi. It's me. It's my fault. I'm the one dumping you. Uh, so I'm sorry to everyone I didn't read. There was just so many. Keep them coming. I try to get to everyone as often as I can. I love that segment. Uh, there's actually some gaming news this week, too, that I wanted to get into before uh, we get the rest of this. Uh, you know, we do the, what have I been playing and stuff like that. Uh, if you're jonesing to pre-order a new console and you just can't wait for any more information on the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series X, you got money just burning a hole in your pocket, plunk sound with some cash right now and you can reserve a brand new Commodore 64. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. I Listen, I don't know anything about the Commodore 64. My gaming knowledge, my gaming experience starts with the NES. I know a little bit about arcades like Pac-Man and stuff. I know nothing about the Commodore 64. But apparently, last year, the Commodore 64 was re-released in Europe, and now it's coming over here to North America. And it's not like a Mini, either. They did that a while ago. There is a Commodore 64 Mini. This thing is a full-sized Commodore 64. Same company that made the Mini one. It comes with 64 games preloaded on it. You can hook it up to a modern TV. Same size as the original console and everything. I... <laughs> like, will this sell? I I'm not sitting on it. I just because I don't know anything about it doesn't mean it's not good. I can't imagine that I'll be buying one. I don't want that giant brown gray keyboard thing sitting on my TV stand under my television, but it's out there for pre-order right now. So look, if you're one of those com Commodoreans, uh, I assume that's what those gamers are called. Uh, it's out there. Uh, are you guys interested in this thing? I, I, I'm honestly just curious. I don't hate the idea. I prefer the minis, but this is neat if that was your jam back in the day. So if, if you're listening to this and you're going to order a new Commodore 64, let me know. Cause I'm very curious to know what has you so intrigued about this thing. Uh, good enough. What have I been playing over the last week? And then we'll get into Kirby. Uh, quite a bit of Undertale. I, uh, I mentioned it last episode that a listener of the show, uh, Brian Ransom, was kind enough to treat me to a copy of Undertale on my Nintendo Switch. I have now finished it twice. Uh, without spoiling anything, because there's various endings depending on how you deal with enemies and what you do on your playthrough. It's only like a five-hour long game, so it's not like it takes days to finish. Two playthroughs is not that hard. Uh, I like it. Uh, I like it a lot. I don't know... I don't know if it's the perfect 10 that some reviewers have given it. Uh, not in my eyes, at least. But it was it was incredibly memorable. It was interesting. It has got to be the weirdest video game I've ever played. And I mean that. I cannot think of a video game that is weirder than Undertale. Uh, it's just so funky. But the soundtrack is good. I like most of the battle mechanics. I'd actually really like to see them put into like a full-blown 30-hour like regular RPG, quite frankly. Uh, some people have said that it's ugly. I don't think it is. Uh, I love that retro kind of 8-bitty, 16-bitty style art. Um, it definitely has some earthbound undertones to it, but that's not a bad thing at all. So I really, I dug it. I dig an Undertale. It's pretty cool. I also finished Battletoads on the Xbox. Fucking awesome. I might try to do a run on the hardest difficulty now. It's, uh, it's really fun to be able to say I beat a Battletoads game. I gotta say, uh, I really liked it. I hope we get more from the series. I hope that it eventually ends up on the Switch and the PS4 because I think people would like it if they got a chance to play it. I've been thinking about reviewing it for an expansion pass, but I also know that the Xbox 
community is the smallest piece of our listener pie. So I don't want to put an episode out that nobody really cares about when you guys are paying for it over on Patreon. So I might put it to the Patreons and run a poll and see what you guys want me to do. Uh, and then I'm playing Grand Theft Auto San Andreas as it won our Patreon poll this month or August, I guess by the time you guys are hearing this. Uh, I got to say, I'm not a big GTA fan. I've never finished a GTA game. This one was really grinding my gears at first, but I'm getting into it. I'm really, I'm starting to have fun. The soundtrack is fucking awesome. I really like a lot of the characters. CJ is cool. Smoke is awesome. Uh, so we'll be covering GTA San Andreas in a few weeks. Oh yeah, and I've been playing Fall Guys on the PS4 with my girlfriend. I got to say, I love it. I love it. I get it. I totally get it. It's fucking hilarious. I think it's a great game. It's so stupid, but I love it. Good enough. Let us get into Kirby Superstar. You guys, I've talked enough. Uh, before Mark McHugh and I share our thoughts on the game, you guys had a few of your own. Jeff Johnson from Game on GNT wrote in and said, Kirby Superstar is one of the best Kirby games by far. I like how it basically gives you a Dreamland upgrade as the first game in the collection, which is really neat. The two-player aspect was Superstar's killer app as well. Really good. Uh, and I agree, Jeff. I, I think it's one of the best games in the series. And I absolutely think it's one of those games where the two-player option works well, both as a legitimate two-player game with you and a buddy, uh, but it's also a great way to just give a controller to your kid or to your little brother or your little sister, and then they can play with you and not do too much damage. So I love the two-player mechanic in this game. And Keegan Wilson wrote in and said, Kirby Superstar was great. The amount of games and mini games they crammed into one cart was wild to me back in the day. We used to have four to six people just play all the way through. And if someone died, you rotate it out. I still go back and play through it every few years. Uh, same here, Keegan. I actually, I played this game over and over and over as a kid. It was one of the first games I remember actually 100%ing. It might be the first game I actually 100%ed as a kid. Uh, and I can still pick it up right now and enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's gorgeous. It's fun. I love it, and you should too. And we're going to tell you why right now. I'm going to cue up some music. My buddy Mark McHugh returns to the show this week, and we are talking Kirby Freakin' Superstar, which originally released in North America on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System on September 20th, 1996. Kick back, relax, enjoy the tunes. Let's talk Kirby. Hey nerds, before we get into Kirby Superstar, I'm very proud to announce that we have a sponsor for the show. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I've been skeptical of running ads. I've had offers and I have turned them down as much as I could use the money because this podcast is my baby and I'm not going to sully its reputation by advertising stuff that I'm not 100% on board with. And with that said, I'm very proud to announce that this episode of Remember the Game is sponsored by the Press Start to Join podcast. Press Start to Join is a gaming and technology podcast hosted by Alan and Josh, a couple nerds just like the rest of us. Their latest episode is number 315, No Odd Job, Slappers Only. I love that. I love that name. They didn't write this. I'm just talking off the top of my head. Every week, these guys do the legwork for you and they break down the biggest news in the world of technology and gaming. These guys cover everything. Alan tells you who's offering up free games each week and where you can get them, which frankly on its own makes this podcast worth your time. Josh looks back at This Week in Gaming History every episode, which is my favorite segment. I love this stuff. It helps me plan my episodes. Did you know that Zelda came out this week in 1987? I did, after listening to Press Start to Join. 
and they won the Outstanding Technology Podcast Award at the 2020 Canadian Podcast Awards. These guys put a ton of work into this thing. It's professional. It's informative. I'm legitimately proud to have them sponsoring the show. I listen to this podcast myself, you guys, all right? New episodes drop every Friday. You can find them on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts or hit up ps2jshow.com, the number two, ps2jshow.com for more info, thorough show notes, and you can listen to the show there as well. You can find all of their info in the description for this episode. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ps2jshow. Tell them I sent you. It won't get you anything, but it would really be cool if you did. Press start to join podcast, you guys. Seriously, it has the Remember the Game Industry seal of approval. Check them out. If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul-crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work. Gone, like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That could be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac, and every 15 minutes on the clock, they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account, and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a CrashPlan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So Kirby, Kirby's a polarizing topic in the world of games because, I mean, the dude is an iconic mascot. I don't think he's on that Zelda Mario tier, but he's probably the next tier of Nintendo. He's in that B or C, high C, lower B tier. Uh, but most of his games are baby games. And the one we're talking about today, well, maybe for babies, is also quite excellent. I am joined via the telephone device by longtime podcast friend, guest, Patreon supporter, and potential possible someday Hall of Famer, Mark Tholomew McHugh. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. Anytime. Of course. It's always. Never. Never. Do, I bet you, if I added up the stats, you've probably been on 20% of all the episodes. So you're like, you're like the, on a, you know, it's like, if this was like a talk show, you're like that guy that like, just does the like, like here's Adam. And then I just go to you for like the, jo- you know what I mean? Like you're that guy, you're like the second in command I'll be around here. Yeah. So. I'm the uh, Johnny, I think they call him in Jeopardy. Yeah, that's it. You're Johnny. Yeah, you're you're like my Jamie from Joe Rogan, except you're not here. You're not looking up anything. 
<laughs> you really contribute much less to the show than Jamie does. But you're still good. You're still a valuable guest. I still like having you. And uh, and we're talking Kirby Superstar. Now, I got to ask, Mark, do you where do you stand on Kirby? Before we get into Kirby Superstar, just as a whole, are you are you yay or nay on Kirby? I would say I'm yay on Kirby. I like the Kirby games, but I couldn't imagine any but I couldn't imagine a Kirby game being anybody's favorite game. Yeah, that's yeah, fuck yeah. Fair yep, fair enough. It's like, like these are fun games. These are a lot of fun. But like if I'm thinking like my favorite games of all time, you'll it'll be pretty far down the list before a Kirby game comes up. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever make one of those lists like Kirby's adventure on the NES, which I actually, we covered on this show with, uh, with your brother, with Bradley is, uh, I don't give a fuck what anyone says. I, and I, not that anyone's ever argued with me. I'm getting ready to make this big, like rant and this big, take this like stand and like put my fit, my fist into the table. And like, no one has ever argued with me about this, but Kirby's adventure on the <laughs> NES is a fantastic game. If you listen to uh, my recent NES ranking episode, it made the top 20. That game is the shit. And then, this game came out on the Super Nintendo and it came out right near the end of the Super Nintendo's lifespan. And I'm telling all you guys, like this game is better than Kirby's Adventure. Like this is the predominant Kirby game. And then honestly, Mark, I don't think I have played a Kirby game since. Like I don't, I, uh, 64... I played the one for the, I played the one for the N64. It was fine. It was a Kirby game. Uh, the only one I actively really disliked, there was like Kirby's Epic Yarn, which was fun for the Wii. But then there was one for the Wii U that I had. And I don't even remember what this game was called. But you don't control Kirby. You just draw lines on the, like, on the game, Wii U gamepad. And Kirby just kind of follows that line. And that was the game. And it just felt kind of stupid. And I really regretted buying it. And I never finished it. <laughs> That's, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like Kirby is the guy at the office that, like, everyone just makes him do all the shitty work. Like, he's Gil. They're just like the Wii U was dying and they had like, other than Mario Maker, nothing used the gamepad properly. The Wii U was dying and like, hey, we got it. They're like the powers that beat Nintendo were like, I imagine them all like sitting around the boardroom, you know, with the cigarettes and like the rolled up shirt sleeves and the untucked ties, like the uncolor, the ties pulled down and they're like, guys, we got to do something with this gamepad. We got no mascots left. What do we do? And then someone's like, well, what about Kirby? And they're like, fuck yeah. Let's just throw that dumbass into this game. And all we'll do is make people draw on the gamepad. And that'll be the, like, what the fuck? Like, fuck, listen. I know. Listen, Nintendo, because I know Nintendo listens to this. Kirby is cool. He's a good character. His early games are fun. I actually like Kirby a lot in Smash Brothers. And, spoiler alert for Smash Brothers Ultimate, guess who saves everybody? It's fucking Kirby. Kirby's the one. Yeah. God damn it. Actually, well, because the Smash Brothers games were developed by HAL Laboratory, who made the Kirby series right. as well. And actually, so I just, I ne- not that you guys know, this isn't, uh, this isn't a, a library of, of video game facts, but uh, when I was doing my homework for this episode, do you know who the director of this game and a lot of the Kirby games is? Uh, what's the same Sakurai? Yeah, Miss, Miss, uh, Masahiro uh, Sakurai. I don't. I think it's how you say yeah. it. And that's the man that calling the shots for Smash. So that makes a lot more sense as to why Kirby saved it. I had no idea. Like, I knew he called the shots for Smash. I didn't know he was the Kirby guy. So that explains why well, Kirby saved see, the world. It makes so much sense, though, if you play any of the Smash games. You just see so much Kirby presence in all of them. Yeah, you do. To, down to, like, the items, to, like, the stages that they choose to put in there, to, like, 
yeah, like Kirby is very prominent in the Smash games, and I love it. Yeah, you know what, dude? Like I like I mean I'm not a I'm not a great Smash player. I'm not even a hardcore Smash player. I'm very casual. I hop in there, and my mains are Bowser and Mega Man. But like I have always enjoyed playing as Kirby. As someone that's not very good. I want a guy that can fly and I want a guy that can turn into a rock and drop on people's head over and over and over and I can just spam the fuck out of it. Like that fuck That's what I did when I was a kid. And the sword attack. And the sword attack. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is like Kirby, and I promise we will get into Kirby Superstar, you guys. Kirby's perfect for Smash because he's got so many moves. It's like Mega Man. Like when they announced Mega Man, I was like, that's sweet. And Mega Man say what you will about whether or not you like playing as him or not, but he's a perfect fit for a fighting game because he's got a does like, he's got 400 powers you could draw from to make all of his moves up. And Kirby's the same thing. And I fucking love Kirby's that. The same thing. And then it's even more when you consider that he can absorb every single character. Yeah. Like he, like he must Which means be every time they add a character to this game, they also have to add another thing that Kirby could do. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. So, like, that must be a little bit frustrating for them. Like, that's, you know, every time they, they create a new character, they do all the work to, like, figure out the character's moves and the way he looks and how he handles and make sure he's balanced and he's not too overpowered or underpowered and all this other stuff. And then they're like, okay, so now what happens when Kirby eats him? Just this one character that I don't even think, like, I don't, I'm not super into the Smash community, but I can't imagine there's a ton of competitive players out there maining Kirby like using Kirby all the time, but they've got to make it work just in case someone picks him up. Cause what happens if he swallows the newest character and then doesn't get any abilities out of it? Fuck. Anyway, I don't know. I think you'd be surprised. I think a lot, like apparently there's a lot of people that main Jigglypuff and I'm like, I, and I guess like if you see somebody who's really good at using some of these characters, it's like, okay, I kind of get it. But like, I'm like you, I'm a bit more casual when it comes to smash brothers. I'm a bit of a button masher. So I'll hit like, if I'm up again, like if I am, if I like, I'll always play on a random character. And if I get Ness, I'm fucked. I have no idea how to use Ness. <laughs> yeah, so you play against someone who knows how to play Smash Brothers and they know how to do the whole thing where like he puts, shoots the lightning out of his head and it comes behind him and it shoots him back onto the course. And I have no idea how to do any of that shit. Yeah, I've always wanted to like, because I love Earthbound. I love Ness. I've always wanted to figure out how to play as Ness. And I just can't like i'm just not good but i want to uh and it's just quick so we will get into i know this is the second time i've said it in the last seven minutes we will get into kirby superstar but you mentioned jigglypuff i always because i know that jigglypuff's like not a bad guy at all he's just like happy and he sings or she i don't even know if it's a he or she i guess there's both but like jigglypuff just sings it puts people to sleep it seems so like happy but you know how like jigglypuff also has that angry face and there's like that fucking, yeah. like, with those eyes, those fucking psycho eyes that Jigglypuff has. I've always just had this thing in my head that Jigglypuff is like Kirby's Newman. Like, if Kirby's Jerry, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Jigglypuff is just like the evil Kirby, where he, like, he acts like okay, and sometimes he's nice around his friends, but like, there's just evil sense. in his heart. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense because if you think about it, a lot of Kirby games are very centered around the concept of dreams. Yeah. Yeah. And Jigglypuff's main thing is she puts people to sleep. Fucking, so I can see it. I hate Jigglypuff. Um, so Jigglypuff can eat a butt. Yeah. But now with all that said, Kirby Superstar doesn't feature Jigglypuff. It just features Kirby. And you guys here, if you've never played Kirby Superstar, here's the thing. When you play Kirby Superstar, you don't just play one Kirby game. You play eight Kirby games. And to be oh, honest... Yeah, let's, let's talk about that for a second, though. Because like as a kid... I always played, like, I never owned this game, but I always played it at, like, a friend's house. 
And so I thought that Kirby Superstar was a lot like Mario All-Stars, where it was a bunch of Kirby games in one. And so that was the energy. Like, I replayed this game last week, and that was the energy I had going into it. But all of the games are, like, five stages long. Yeah, they are. Now, here's... See, and that's the catch-22 of this game. Because I owned this game as a kid. I beat the shit out of this game as a kid. I still, to this day, to this moment as i say these words as a 36 year old man love this game and i really enjoy pretty much all of the games in here and i like the way they tweak them all a little bit just to, so they're not all just a whole bunch of shitty little kirby games they either add like an overworld or they add different ways to get powers we'll get into that but, but you're right the one issue with this game like i've ranted about kirby's dreamland on here before i bought that game for my game boy it was the first game i ever bought with my own money i saved up all my birthday money my christmas money i bought kirby's dreamland i beat it the night i brought it home and it just broke my heart and i was so angry and really that's what every single one of these games is they look better they play better they're deeper and there's more challenge but at the end of the day you can beat any of these games in like a couple hours if you want to like they're just, I don't understand if they, I almost, you know what it feels like, Mark, is it feels like they made one game and then they were like, well, like they made Spring Breeze or something. And then they were just like, okay, well that is like an hour and a half long. We can't sell that for 80 bucks. So then they were like, just make like five more of those and throw them on. And they're all good, but I agree with you. I find it a little frustrating that the games are so short, particularly when you're having fun. Cause a couple of them are really fun and then it's yeah, over. Like they're Fucking, all pretty. They're all pretty, like, they're all really fun little games. And then, like, you get to the end and you're like, but I just started playing this, like, 40 minutes ago. Yeah. How is this game already over? Yeah. It's certainly, like, a billion times better to play it on, like, the Super Nintendo Classic or I don't, has it been added to the Switch? I don't think it has. It's on the Switch Online. That's it how is I on Switch it, Online. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you're, you are infinitely, like, to me, it, it greatly increases this game's overall value when you put it on something like a Super Nintendo Classic or a Switch, or even if you'd bought it off of, like, Nintendo Online. Like, something where you paid, yeah, so, like, 10 bucks. You know what I mean? Like, I, didn't feel, I didn't feel ripped off by this game at all because, like, I played it, and I'm like, ooh, this is a lot of fun. It's pretty short, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. The problem with Whereas it is, if like... I had paid if I paid like 80 bucks for it, I'd be like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then you'd be pissed. But I will say like, as a kid, we got this game for Christmas and uh, I probably beat all the games like in the week after Christmas. I caught, dude, I have so many memories of just constantly going back to this game. Cause the one thing I do love about this game is even though the games are super short, like I said, there's eight of them. So it's like, oh, I've got an hour to kill. I can hop in, just pick one of these games and run through it. And I'm saying, you guys, and I've been saying it on the show for a while, there's something to be said for short games. Like, I love my big 40, 50-hour open world fucking crazy super wild adventure games as much as the next person but sometimes there's something about just firing a game up and being able to finish finish a game in 90 minutes and then just be like well, that was fun and then just go on with your life like there's something yeah, nice like about that well and it was this game was more designed for how we used to play games as kids right because like you we get a lot of us would get like we'd get like an hour or two after supper to play video games but we didn't have like we had homework and stuff and we had like school to go to. We didn't have as much time as we do now to like just endlessly play games. Although I guess that's not true of every adult. You and I kind of are. Uh, we're lucky in that we mostly work nights. I was going to say we have two two comedians 
being like, and now yeah. as an adult, I have all the time in the world to play games. And, and it's like, well, no, that's no, most people have like actual careers. Yeah, stuff, there are there no there are what I'm talking about. There are listeners that turned this off. When you were like, as an adult, you can play all the games you want. And some guy is listening to this right now while he's fucking in a hot warehouse at Amazon picking, like, my order, just being like, you two fucking clowns. And he just turned it like off. My like, my taxes pay your curb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're pissed. Um, but now I will, so I'll ask you this then, like, because I don't know. I, I don't know off the top of my head how long it would take to beat all these games. But let's just, for a round number, let's just say 10 hours. And I think it's a little longer than that, but especially if you want to get everything. But let's just say 10 hours. Would you prefer eight games like this that are all a little bit different that are like 60 to 90 minutes each? Or would you have preferred one big game that was 10 to 12 hours long with like save points and stuff? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, we had already had like a Kirby game that was like that. So this was an interesting take at, on it. When I was a kid, I had no idea that these were all original games with the exception of the, of the remake of Dreamland. Right. I thought that these were all pre-existing Kirby games. I thought this was like a Mario All-Stars situation. Right. So as an adult, I'm like, oh, these are completely different games. Cause I, and they're totally new. Yeah. Like, this isn't a compilation. This is a brand new game, and I didn't know that as a kid. Yeah, because I will say, and the reason that I make this my favorite Kirby game is because I, I do prefer the eight bite-sized chunks because they are all a little bit different. They're all Kirby. I mean, minus the two mini, mini games, and we'll get into all the games in a minute, but they're all Kirby-ish. It's just that, like, I, again, I can get a, a game in 90 minutes and finish it. And then, and, and like, so, like, this is, like, this to me, like, I would love to see more games like this with, like, classic characters and maybe even new characters or something. Like, if, like, I'm a huge, I'm just pulling a name out of my ass, but, like, I'm a huge Shovel Knight fan. I adore the Shovel Knight franchise. I adore it. And if they released a new Shovel Knight game, and uh, it was, like, a value price, but it was literally, like, eight-hour-long, slightly different games, I would fucking be all over that. Because this is something that you can play while you're playing your Red Dead 2 or your fucking GTA or whatever. And when you need a break from one of those, you hop in a Kirby Superstar, and in an hour, you can literally beat one of the games on here. And then the next time you come back, you can pick from other games. Like, I, I... like. There's not a lot of games that do this. And the, like I didn't really think about it too when I got talking about it. I'm like, there's really something to be said for this format and those eight short bite-sized... Like, I would love to see more games do this. Quite frankly, Mark, you mentioned how shitty that Kirby game is on the Wii U. I think the general consensus is that Kirby's kind of lost his way over the years because he's become the baby franchise and everything. I, I would fucking love to see the next Kirby game, like a, like, a, like a Kirby Switch game or whatever, be like 40 bucks and have it be like this. Just give me eight mini games that are all just different. I'd buy that. Well, even if you look at the way the game is structured, I think that that design philosophy is becoming more prevalent nowadays. Like, if you look at a game like Mario Odyssey, it's not like eight bite-sized games that you could play, like, an hour each, but each objective in that game is relatively short. So you could pick up, grab a few Power Moons, put the game back down, and then come back to where you left off next time. Yeah, exactly. So I think that we're... So a game like this wouldn't even necessarily be out of place in today's gaming landscape. No, agreed 100%. You know, actually, another thing I think would be kind of cool would be, like an open world game for, for babies, like an open world Kirby game where you can go and do different things and get different powers and fight different people and stuff, but like make it really childish and kind of easy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that'd be another fun way to, like, I would prefer this, but like, I think that would, would work too. I think that'd be a lot of fun, but I don't see them putting like a 
huge budget into a Kirby game. No, they never do. Dude, Kirby always comes out right at the end of the system. He's like the last game. He gets forgotten about. And then you know what he's there for? He's there for... I, <laughs> you know what it feels like? Cause, dude, Kirby Superstar came out near the end of the Super Nintendo. Kirby constantly shows up at the tail end of a franchise's life. And you know what it feels like sometimes? Is they're like, okay, we know everyone that had a... a, a uh, a fucking Nintendo 64 is going to upgrade to a GameCube. So if we drop this Kirby game on the Nintendo 64, then when the older gamers get their GameCube, they're going to give their Nintendo 64 to their kids or their nephew or whatever, and then they'll go out and buy Kirby, and then that'll be that. Like, that's what it feels like, is he's the hand-me-down game. It's like a I, little bit. I feel bad Although for this him. time around, Kirby came pretty relatively early in the system's life. But like, again, it was totally forgotten. Who played that game? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like, just no one plays I it. I couldn't even tell you what it was called off the top of my head. Me neither. Just honest, swear to God, I couldn't either. Um, but this is like, to me, this is where he peaked. And like, so we got eight games to go over. We'll get over them quick. Uh, I think this, I wanted to quickly touch on this. You guys know I'm a complete, and Mark is too. I have, I have a complete hard on for the 16 bit graphics. I love the way the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis look. This, even by Super Nintendo standards, is like one of the best looking games on the Super oh, it Nintendo. Looks fantastic. Right? Like, I, and I say this, and I've said this on the show before, this is legitimately some of the highest praise I can throw at a Super Nintendo game. It looks like a Sega Genesis game. Because I've always admired the way games look on the Sega Genesis. I just, I've always thought they're brighter, they're colorful, they look like cartoons. This game looks like it runs on a Sega Genesis. It is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, the game does give off a bit, a few like Ristar vibes. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, like, it looks great. It's so bright and colorful. The music is good. Um, the way, particularly coming from where, like, most people that had played Kirby at this point had played Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy, which was black and white or green and black or whatever. And they'd played the NES version, which was fine. And that's one of the best looking games on the NES, but it was still NES graphics. You take this and Kirby, like, triples in size from the NES game. And then it's so, like, and this is my favorite thing about the graphics in this game. The way Kirby's appearance changes so much as he gets different powers is awesome. It's not as simple. Well, the powers always look like, like, if you don't know what the powers are, they always look cool and intriguing. Like, there's the ice Kirby where he's, like, where he just looks badass, like an ice wizard. And you're like, ooh, what does this do? Yeah. Dude, my favorite's the yo-yo because he rocks the backwards hat. And he like break dances oh, yeah. and shit. I love that fucking weapon. Yeah. The yo-yo weapon. As someone that enjoys a backwards hat once in a while myself, I fucking love that look. But like you play the NES one and when Kirby got the ice power in the NES one, he looked the exact same. He just went white. So instead of being a pink yeah. ball, he was a white ball. You go, like you said, he gets the ice one in this one. Uh, and I think if he gets the ice blowing one, then he just turns white with like blue cheeks. But when he gets that like... I remember what it's called frost or something where he makes the ice spikes and you're right. He's got like that blue fucking ice crown thing on and he looks like an evil wizard. He looks so rad. I'm looking at pictures of him right now, even with the cutter weapon, which is one of the most basic Kirby weapons there is. He's got the bright yellow hat. He's got the silver blade out in front of him. Like he, like God, he looks good. Like this is a top five SNES game as far as graphics go, in my opinion, top five. So good looking. Fuck. What? And I'm like, I'm also like, in all of that, and I'm also like a pretty big fan of just how like, how little details like that made you more immersed into the game. Like, again, like Kirby's backwards hat, now he looks like a relatable kind of character. 
it added so much characteristic uh, characterization to Kirby that like suddenly now you kind of like now it's no longer just like a, pl- a pink floating ball on the screen. Now it has some attitude. Yeah, absolutely. And you could make your sidekick. So like, <laughs> which we'll get into the weirdness of this in a minute, but Kirby could like eat a bad guy, swallow him to like take over his soul, but then he could poop out the soul into another iteration of the bad guy who would be like his partner. And one of the things I really like about that, other than the obvious like multiplayer mechanic of it, is the fact that like, just I'm going to use yo-yo because it's my favorite. Say you eat the yo-yo bad guy and then you swallow it so you get the backwards hat and you throw a yo-yo and then you turn it into like, your sidekick. You spit that guy out behind you and you can see how much kirby looked like him do you know what i mean like it's so like they really make kirby look like whoever's ability he's got like they really and they were obviously able to do more with the, with the nintendo or the super nintendo and the the stronger chipset and everything but like every single weapon looks so distinct from each other like you said they all look cool they get you excited to see what they'll do and it really is obvious whose power you've taken like it's not just a little sprite swap and it, i love that attention to detail so much it's definitely more. And I actually kind of, I actually kind of, and I like the partner system. I mean, the idea is it was supposed to be like a two-player thing, but if there's no two-second player, it's just the computer controlling it. And I found that like that was fun. It made certain parts too easy. Yeah, it absolutely did. Yeah, it it like, but again, you could chalk that up to it kind of being like like there is not a Nintendo franchise that they probably assume appeals to more children than Kirby, like maybe Mario. And so, like, it's obvious that they were just like, hey, lots of kids are going to play this. What can we do to make it a little bit easier in case a kid is getting stuck or something? And that's a great way to do it because, like, you can either give the controller to your little brother or your little sister or your nephew or whatever and let them be the two, the second player. Or you could let them play as Kirby and then when they get stuck or need help, they create you and then you help them. And like you said, you can let the computer control it. And it's just, it does at times break the game and make it so easy but at the same time it would have made it pretty much accessible to anyone that wanted to try to play it no exactly um yeah i like that mechanic a lot the only reason i shit on it was like it's just like i i want to say we talked about it on the kirby's adventure episode the concept of kirby when you look past the cuteness and the like oh he's just a little pink ball who's trying to save food and he loves to eat he's clearly morbidly obese but he just likes to eat and he's trying to fight this giant bird who's also quite obese and it's funny. But like when you really look at the depth and the concept of Kirby, this dude eats his enemies, digests them, absorbs their souls like that. And then now not only does he do that, but then he like they get reincarnated basically out of I assume out of Kirby's bum. And now their only goal in life is to serve the guy who just ate them. <laughs> what a terrifying life cycle and it could happen in five seconds yeah like when you look like at it that's that how way, quickly his digestion system works when you look at it that way that's pretty fucked up like <laughs> well like if you look at kirby as a whole like it really is a giant nightmare of a concept Oh, it is. Yeah. Dude, if they ever made, imagine if they ever made like a, like a, like a real life, like remember the Super Mario Brothers movie where they took Mario and Luigi and everybody and made them real and it was fucking. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if they did that with Kirby and it was just like right away, he's horrifying because he looks like the, like he's like, I would assume that his build would be similar to the Kool-Aid man's 
And then, he, <laughs> like, that's what he would look like. And then he, like, anyone that he doesn't like, he just, like, <gasps> and you get swallowed by him. And then he, like, if he ate me, his one eye would go wonky and he would suddenly have a backwards hat. And then, and like, and, <laughs> and it would, be, and then he would know lots about the Ninja Turtles. And I would be inside of him, like, dude, this is my thing. This sucks. Like, it's not. You're right. Like at like the end of the day, it's all in my identity. Like there really is a lot of like, okay, what, uh, whatever happened to due process in the Kirby games? Why are these, why are these monsters not being tried and to do like, why are, why has he decided that he's going to sentence them to be eaten and absorbed and have their personality stolen? What gives Kirby the right? I feel if you made a movie about Kirby, it would be all about that, and it would be weird and upsetting, and nobody would like it. Yeah, maybe King DDD is the good guy, because like in all these games, <laughs> King DDD is like stolen all the food and all this, or like at least in one of them, he's stolen all the food and stuff like that. But it's like, did you ever go to think that maybe Kirby's fucking eating problem is just starting to starve the entire population of Dreamland, and King DDD is like. What? Wasn't there a game that was exactly that, that like King DDD was trying to stop Kirby and like for good reason, because what Kirby was doing was unlocking like this terrible enemy or something. I don't, I don't remember. I admittedly, as much as I enjoy at least the early Kirby games, I don't pay, t- I'm not, I'm not totally caught up in my Kirby lore. You know um, what? I would be distrustful of anybody who was totally caught up on their Kirby <laughs> Yeah. Right. Anybody who's like, well, um, actually, and uh, if you read the comics, it like, and you'd be like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. If somebody knew as much about Kirby and his backstory and his world as I do, like the Ninja Turtles, I'd be like, that's fucking weird, man. Like, like why like, is that your thing? Go of outside. All of the things you could have chosen. I hate it when people say go outside to me, and that's I would say that to them. I'd be like, dude, just turn it off. That's fucking weird. Um, okay, so we're at like a half hour already. So let's get into these games because there's some good games in here. Uh, okay. so, so the first game is Spring Breeze, which is a blatant remake of Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy. And uh, yeah, they uh, they took out one level, I think. Yes, I believe you are correct. And it's you basically just fight your way through a few bosses or a few bad guys, a few levels, and then you fight King DDD, and it's over. And it like. Like you said, this is this is Mario All Stars for Kirby. I don't think this game. There's nothing wrong with this game, but it's just as easy. It's almost easier than Kirby's Dreamland is on the Game Boy because you can have the the partner. And uh, outside of wanting to see what Kirby's Dreamland, like anytime I play something that's a remake of either an NES or a Game Boy game, I have to assume that this is what the developer envisioned in their head and just couldn't make because of the limitations of whatever console they had used. So. It's worth playing through at least once just to see what the Game Boy version was. Do you know what I mean? Like what they wanted the Game Boy version to be. But mm-hmm. to me, this is the least memorable of every, including the mini games. This is the least memorable game on this on the pack. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like it's just it's too easy. It's just a, it's just. But it was the it was the very first Kirby game. Yeah, it was. You know what? It basically is like. Um, it's like a tutorial level. It's just like an hour-long tutorial level. That's really what it yeah. feels like. Well, and me. that's the other thing that annoyed me about this game is the to, to like the tutorials. They would ask you like, "Hey, have you played this before?" At the beginning of every game, and even if you were like, "Yeah, I totally have," they'd be like, "All right, well, 
still going to fill you in anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Why do games do that? Massive, massive shout out to Pokemon Sword and Shield. And for all the people that hate on Pokemon Sword and Shield, that whatever, that's not what we're getting into here. When you first go to catch your first Pokemon in Pokemon Sword and Shield, they ask if you've done this before. And if you say yes, they're like, all right, give her. And that's it. Why can't every game be that? Because everyone listening to this podcast has probably played about 100 plus different games in their lives. We all know that pause is start, A is jump, B is attack, left and right. Like, we don't just know. Show me the really important shit. Teach me how to poop out uh, a sidekick. I need to know that. The rest of it, I'm good. And I don't need to know it seven fucking times. 100%. 100%. You know what? When we score this, it's losing a point because of that. I forgot about that. At least one point for that. For the tutorials. Fuck you. Who are you to teach me how to play your game? I don't need that shit. Fuck you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Podcasting's a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day, I tell you all about my life. The good and the bad. The ugly, I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help, because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before, and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And BetterHelp is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times... It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash remember the game today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash remember the game. Um, okay. So that's, you got any other thoughts on spring breeze? It's just a Kirby dreamland remake. Yeah. It's, it's just a Kirby game, yeah. like a picture of Kirby game and that's it. Yeah. So it's meh. Uh, and then the next one is Dynablade and that's where Kirby Dynablade is cool. It is cool. Kirby has to fight the giant bird. I think that bird, uh, looks awesome. First of all, and like, it was a fun boss fight. Absolutely. It was a fucking awesome boss fight. Plus this game, like the big, so the basically all this one and correct me if I'm wrong, cause you've probably, you've played this more recently than I have. It's been a long time since I played this, but they, they add a world map. It's a very tiny world map. It's like half of a, like a Mario three world one world map. It's like five levels or something. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think it actually is five levels, but the, like they're all just like normal levels. They have like a bit of a branching path, but like ultimately there's not like it really is just for show the whole world map thing. Yeah, there's not like a ton of options. I do believe there's a couple hidden worlds. There's a couple hidden levels where you can get like extra powers and stuff in them, but it's not. Yeah, there's no like real choice. There's no depth to it. Um, but they added the world map, and you don't fight DDD. If I'm not mistaken, King DDD doesn't even show up in this game. You're all about fighting that bird. It's all about the bird. So that's that right there is enough of a difference from the from Spring Breeze to me to justify a second game on the on the on the cart it's like some new levels a new enemy the world map honestly i could take or leave but the new levels and a new and a new boss is fine you could have absolutely 
and this is where you were talking about. You totally could have combined Spring Breeze and Dynablade and had King DDD controlling this bird and then put both levels into the same game with a slightly bigger map and it would have worked just fine. Well, like you could have had the bird be like the mid boss and then DDD be the final boss and that would have been like you could have could, you could have called that one game maybe. Yeah. But it's fine. I'm happy with both. They're both fun games and yeah. you can beat either one in an hour. Um and then the next one is Gourmet Race. This one's like Which I've never gotten the whole the, I've never gotten the hang of this one. I fucking adore this one. I adore this game. So this one is completely different. It's not Kirby really. Like basically what you do is, is there's three levels and you control Kirby and the computer controls King DDD and the whole object of the game is to race to the end of the level which is a little frustrating because you can do the like tap, tap, right or left to make them dash, but it's not like Kirby's the fleetest of foot at any point. Um, and you have to eat as much food as you possibly can. And then at the end of the three races, whoever has the highest score uh, from eating all the food and stuff wins the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm good with this. Like to me, this is, if you're going to make a game full of eight mini games, they can't all be Spring Breeze and Dynablade where I go through five or six levels kill a boss and that's the game like you had to do something different and i respect the fact that they tried something new i don't know how well the racing mechanic eats like i think it might have been more fun if there had been like you have three minutes to go through this giant level and eat as much food as you can as opposed to trying to race to the end of the level maybe that would have been better but i actually really like this one yeah and i see what you're saying that like if you have a collection of games it's good like it's good to like break it up so that it's not all like four standard Kirby levels, uh, four standard Kirby courses, boss credit. Yeah. You got to do something. Otherwise, why am I like, I'm just playing it over and over and over again. So I, yeah, I get how this one's polarized. Like when we were kids, my brother, I don't think my brother, I don't remember him caring much for this one, but I really liked gourmet race. But I think part of that's cause I really like King DDD and it was really cool getting to see, getting to see DDD and something other than a fight in a wrestling ring. Like, getting to see him run around and eat and do his big fly move. Like, you realize that he's got a lot of the same powers that Kirby does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I like I like it. It's different. I Yeah, I have no problem with Gourmet Race. Um, do, you got, do you got any... Do you want to shit on it at all or anything before I go on to the next one? Yeah, you know what? It was fine. It, like, for the time... Like, I, if they tried to release that as a full game, absolutely not. Agreed. But, like, as a mini game, it was fun. Yeah, agreed. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I couldn't play that for, like, six hours or something. Fuck no. Um, oh, that would three, be terrible. Three levels is just enough. Fucking just enough. Uh, the next one is the Great Cave Offensive. And this one... Oh, this is kind of like a Metroidvania type. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it, absolutely it is. You like you go through this like this cave, and there's um, there's like treasure chests like hidden throughout everywhere. And uh, it's almost like collecting trophies in Smash Brothers or whatever they are. Like, it's just, you find them everywhere. And the whole object of the game is to just go through and try to find every treasure. And what I love about this, and this is like, this is a tie into smash brothers. You pause it. And a ton of those trophies are references to Nintendo franchises. Like that's clearly Sakurai with his trophies in smash. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like it's the same exact concept just in a slightly different game. Oh, totally. Uh, but I love it. And it's like, it's fun, but again, like I don't know if that would work as a full game. Yeah, I don't know about that either. But I, but I really liked this one, and I love. You know, what my favorite thing about this game is this this mode is that you can just pause your at any time when you pause, you can look at like all your treasures. Like you can see the grid. Yeah, you can see what you have. Yeah, so and see which ones you're missing. 
Exactly. Uh, and I so, really yeah, like I, that. And I was really surprised by this because, again, I haven't played this game in a very long time. So you kind of get to, like, a Metroidvania part. And, like, it takes a bit for you to realize that's what's happening. But once it clues in, oh, we're Metroidvaniaing it. You, kind of, you, like, lean into it and you have more fun. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And... Um, and I may be wrong, but like, I, I don't remember a Nintendo game prior to this that kind of embraced Nintendo's history where I could collect all these little icons. Do you know what I mean? Like I could pause it and look at like, oh, there's the, the fucking the Triforce or whatever. Like, I don't remember what all the trophies were, but, uh, as, as someone that like grew up as a, like I was a Nintendo junkie when Kirby Superstar came out, I don't remember anything like that before where it was just like, oh, they're like acknowledging the other Kirby game or the other Nintendo games and stuff like that. And I think that's really like, that's fan service to the max because they could have just made all the trophies food because Kirby's a, a fatty, but they didn't, they made it into all these Nintendo references and that's. I, I really, really, like, that was my favorite thing about it as a kid, was just looking at those trophies. That's cool. And, um, yeah, and if, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I think that might be, like, one of the earliest instances of Nintendo, like, doing crossovers. Yeah, I can't really... There weren't a, there weren't a, ton, of, there weren't a ton of games on the Super Nintendo that acknowledged both the Mario and the Zelda franchises. But, like, like maybe in little ways, like, there'd be Mario's portrait in, like, that one house in Kakariko Village in Zelda. Yeah. Or... Yeah. But there was nothing like Zelda or like Zelda. I almost called Link Zelda. Oh, God. I would have got fucking ripped. Like, that is the thing you can't do. <laughs> that um, would be the end of your career. It would have been the podcast is over. You would have been hashtag canceled. Yeah. I would have been done. I, somebody probably would have sued me for some reason. Um, <laughs> they would have found a way. But, uh, but there was no Link in Mario Kart. There was no Smash Brothers where you took all these characters and made them fight. Like, it was, there was no, at this point, like, you got to remember, this is on the Super Nintendo. We didn't have Smash Brothers yet. We didn't have Mario Party yet. We had one Super Mario Kart where the only character from outside of the Mario universe is, uh, is Donkey Kong Jr., which I always found weird, but whatever. Like, this was, like, this was groundbreaking. And there's just such a throwaway little thing in this game that, like, I'm so glad... Like, now that I'm putting the pieces together with the Sakurai connection, it makes complete sense. But, like, that's one of my favorite things about Smash Brothers, too, is the badges and, st- and the trophies and whatever the fucks, depending on what game you're playing. And all the references to video game lore. And I, this was one of the earliest ones. This might be the earliest one. I was such a loser. I would just sit there and look at these fucking two-dimensional trophies as a kid. Um, How cool would it be? I'm just, like, fantasizing out loud here. I was just thinking about, like, if they ever make a Super Mario Odyssey sequel... How cool would it be if Kirby was like one of the captures you could get? Oh yeah, that'd be fucking sick. Although then again, I guess that Kurt like the whole capture mechanic is basically just what Kirby does. Yeah. Yeah, you'd just be stealing <laughs> yeah, so what happens if Mario throws Cappy at Kirby and then takes over Kirby, but then eats somebody else? So now it's Mario controlling Kirby, controlling... There's like three levels of slavery here. <laughs> now we're into like Matrix Mario, where it's like all these like... <laughs> or like Inception. <laughs> it's like Mario Inception now, where we're like into all these fucking weird things. Uh, that's weird. I don't like that. That's a nightmare. That's yeah. a nightmare to think about. I don't like it. Um. So the next game is Revenge of Meta Knight. Now, this one... Uh, the bad guy isn't DDD. It's Meta Knight. Which, like, uh, where do you just in, just quickly? Where do you stand on Meta Knight? Are you yeah or yay or nay? I, I think Meta Knight's cool. I think Meta Knight's fucking awesome. I I would love to see. I don't I don't know a ton about Meta Knight and what his gimmick like. Why he is the way he is, 
But like to me, Meta Knight is like he's Wario. Like he's the anti-hero of Kirby. I'm willing to bet that there's someone somewhere out there that knows. Like again, that's like well, you see in uh, issue four, it says that his uh, kingdom was destroyed or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know that there's some dork with like an explanation as to why, why exactly Meta Knight is the way. He is. Yeah, you could Google it, but I refuse to. Um, I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't need to know anything about you, dude. You're a cooler looking Kirby, and you have a sword, and I get to sword fight you sometimes. I fucking adore it when he throws yeah, a sword. I don't, don't want to know why he is. The, I just want to like he's just cool. Can we just leave it at that? Yeah, that's good enough for me. He's badass. Um, what's cool about this game though, about the, about the revenge of Meta Knight is Meta Knight's the bad guy. He's got like an airship and you got to go level to level, but you have a time limit and you have to beat the levels, which like, honestly, honestly, all it, all it really is, is like they took the time mechanic from like every super Mario brothers game up to that point. We're like, let's just put a time mechanic in this so that people can't just take their time and eat everything. They have to go, but they also found a way to spice it up a little bit by being like, Hey, this ship is going to. Like we gotta, you gotta get to the ship before it's too late, and it's good enough for me. Like I could live without the time mechanic. I would have been happy if it had just been this game where you're trying to take down Meta Knight and his airship. But the fact that they threw the time mechanic in too, to me, is just like they were just trying to find ways to spice it up, and I'm fine with that. I'm completely fine. Yeah, with I it. don't know how I feel about the time mechanic. It was like it, like it killed me a few times, and that was annoying. But at the same time, it was like okay, well they added something to the formula. They added a sense of urgency and that would make and in the context of the story it makes sense yeah there's meta knight go get him yeah it like every you know every single one of these games like so the first game is just straight up kirby and then the second game there's a different bad guy in a world map and then in this game you fight meta knight and you have a time limit and then in the next game you don't eat bad guys we'll get into that in like two seconds it really feels like they just took like the last page of sakurai's notebook where he's just scribbling down random ideas for kirby and we're like let's just make a game around each of these because they're all almost like a the little same bite-sized game around like each one of these little concepts yeah what is it called um you know when you go to like a bar or a pub and you can get that that fucking like the long board with like six little beers on it so you can try all those different beers Oh yeah, that's what this game is of Kirby. It's a whole bunch of little beers of Kirby. Um, oh, dude, totally. So then, there's the last of the main modes is Milky Way wishes, and uh, this one like that's the one where you fight like the sun and the moon. Yeah, yeah. This one's got like a story, but I don't quite get or understand. Like, I don't honestly even really care what the story is. There's like a clown. And you've got to like help the clown. And then at the end, it turns out the clown. Oh, uh, spoilers, I guess. It turns out the clown was like the bad guy. Uh, and then you've got to, yeah. And then you've got to, and then the sun and the moon are fighting. And it's weird. It's a weird game. Yeah. Like, to be honest with you, I, I don't care for the clown. Like, I like King DDD. I like the giant bird. I like Meta Knight. I don't care for the clown. I don't really care for I the whole. I don't the clown. Yeah. I, I thought it added a bit of variety. It's He's... like. DDD can't be the boss every time. Yeah, but he's kind of creepy. I don't lie. Yeah, man. What I love about this game, this mode, is that you don't uh, eat bad guys. You find these, like, statues of all the different bad guys, and then once you find them, it's like Mega Man, where at any time you can just pause the screen and go to your powers list and pull up, like, a new weapon. Um, And I fucking... Like, to me, I could take or leave the stupid clown, but I love the mechanic of being able to pick your weapons that way. I thought that was so dope and it was so exciting. I that was really cool. Yeah. Every time you find a statue, it is so exciting. Cause you're like, 
Because you're all like, I mean, I'm a yo-yo guy. So I would always be looking for that fucking yo-yo statue. And then when I got it, I was like, I can yo-yo as much as I want now. Like, fucking I, I awesome. I feel like that is a concept that they could have expanded into a full game. Oh, 100%. If there's a single mode in this game that could have carried its own like full feature title, it's that one. Although I, I do... Easily. I do worry that you'd get people feeling like, well, that's not how Kirby works. You got to eat everybody. So, I mean, I could live, I don't know. I like, I'm sure people would complain because internet, but I think that would be the best of all these games by, like, by a mile. Um, I don't know. I find that like fans of any certain series are going to complain if you change anything. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like a huge Zelda fan love Breath of the Wild. And you'll see a lot of people being like, well, but there weren't dungeons in this game. And like, well, there wasn't this. And it's like, well, they're not going to make the same game over and over again until you die. Yeah, I agree with that. Although I will say, uh, when Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, like I could care less if they put dungeons back in because I liked looking for all the shrines and stuff. Uh, <laughs> if you're fucking listening to this, Miyamoto, and I know you are, I, I love you. I respect everything you do. You're the greatest of all time. No more breaking weapons after three fucking swings, please. Like, we'll go back to Kirby in a second, but I fucking, I, oh, I fucking hated that. I was like, why? Like, Zelda is supposed to be one of the only franchises where I get a good weapon and I'm not scared to use it up. Like, don't fuck around. Just let me use my, anyway, that's, we could do that as a whole different episode. Um, that totally could be a whole episode. But I will say, for the record, I don't mind the uh, weapon degradation. De- the weapon degrading system in Breath of the Wild. I don't hate it. The concept is fine. It's just like give me more than like four swings. I just felt like it was too fast. Like make a yeah, yeah make fair. a make a fucking twig branch and three or a twig break in, in two or three swings. But like this fucking badass sword that's like made of ancient metals or whatever the fuck it was called. The shiny blue ones that it took me forever to get my hands on. Like get the fuck out of it. Fuck anyways. Um. So that's the that's the six main modes, and then there's two bonus games. Uh, one. And, what? And then there's also like a boss rush phase, isn't there? Oh yeah. Well, when you beat everything, then you get to go into this like ninth level where you fight every boss in the game. Uh, to be honest with you, I beat that as a kid. Like I hundred percent of this game a few times. I I really like to me that was just kind of like I just don't care. Like that's your big finale is that I gotta fucking fight all the bosses again. And I know I'm maybe it's a little hypocritical because I'm a Mega Man junkie and you have to do that like in every Mega Man game. But I just, I, I, yeah, I, you're right. There is a ninth mode where you fight all the bosses. I just, I never, do you, do you, like, I have nothing to say about it. I don't care about it. If you have anything to say, the floor is yours. I have nothing to add to the other than what you just said. Yeah, see, it sucks. Everyone agrees. That's why they don't advertise it on the box. It's eight games in one, not eight plus a stupid boss rush. Um, so those two mini games, there's one where my favorite of the two is the the reflexes one, because that was a mini game in Kirby's Adventure as well, and all you do is go up against another opponent, and then the screen gets like real tense, and then as soon as it says like fire, you just have to mash a button before the opponent does, and it's honestly there's ten minutes of game there, like that could be an iPhone game today, like that it's nothing, but I love that I love that reflex game so much. So much. Well, yeah, it was a fun, like, and again, it was like a fun mini game. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would love to see that. Like, if that was like, dude, I don't know, it probably exists because every game ever exists on an iPhone. But like, to me, that would be a cool iPhone game. If you could like play it against like a friend or something and you both like hold on to one end of the screen, like if you're sitting side by side in a car or something, and as soon as like the exclamation point goes up, it's the first one to tap the screen. Like, I'd play that. That'd be fun. 
Yeah, that'd be cool. So I that, feel like there's not a ton of like there wouldn't be like a ton there. Oh no, like, that'd be fun for like five minutes or so. Yeah, that's all. But that's that's all it was on this too. Yeah. Um, and then the other mini game one, I never, now I get it, but I did not get it as a kid where you have to like punch the ground and try to crack, crack the planet you live on in half for some reason. Um, and it basically because just, again, this game is a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you really take the shades off, Kirby's a terrifying fucking universe. <laughs> uh, but in this one, like there's basically like three different, like quick not quick time events like matching up games where you have to like like golf you know like in golf games where you have to like tap it once to start the meter and then tap it again to stop it you have to stop the meter yeah, the, yeah. you have to stop the meter at the top and then you have to line up two circles when two circles cross with each other you have to hit the button and then when this one circle swings into another circle you have to hit the button and then the combination of how accurate your three buttons were show how hard you punch the ground and then your opponents get better and better and you have to punch the ground hard enough to crack the planet in half and Which- that- why not that's it yeah like did you notice though when you were playing it did you notice that mario and luigi are in the crowd and like some nintendo characters yeah that's fucking sweet i remember just seeing that as a kid and getting another one of those cool little crossovers yeah i love it um and then that's it like i think that's the whole game i can't think of like there's not i mean you could play it's good two player you can play like those mini games against each other if you want to um i guess there was like a big remake for the 3d or not the 3ds for the uh game boy advance called ultra oh i didn't know that that they added yeah apparently like there's modes like you can play all of those games again but as meta knight and if you beat all of the games as meta knight there's a big final boss that they added at the end oh that's pretty rad i did not know that yeah um i've never played it i've never gotten my hands on it would love to play it at some point but yeah well it'll be lost to gaming history like all the nintendo's games because they never fucking give us anyway they never re-release their games um they don't. i'm still waiting for thousand year door to be on something other uh, than the game too. never never so you know what sometimes because like the price of that game on like online has exploded and sometimes i feel like nintendo is just like raiding their warehouse and finding their old copies and putting them on ebay and just making bank and just being like, no, once we sell out of all the old copies we have laying around, then maybe we'll fucking re-release it on something. Um, oh, that's very, that's very possible. Those crooked bastards. I, like, for, for me, it's just like, what, they could make so much money if they just re-release it because everybody wants a re-release of Thousand Year Door. Yeah, I don't... Oh. Like, it's not like... They wouldn't even have to, like... They wouldn't even have to, like, upgrade it that much. They would just have to, like, put it on the Switch... And like maybe in a bundle with the first one, and people will pay eighty bucks for it. They just have to copy and paste twice and make a ton of money. Yeah, I don't get, man. <laughs> I talked about it last week on the Double Dash episode. Like the GameCube is just everybody loves it. Like like game game collectors love it, game purists love it, Nintendo fans love it. The GameCube kind of was underappreciated in its day, but now everyone's like GameCube is fucking sick, and those games are nowhere. And at, at this point, until I am literally looking at a GameCube game on my Switch screen, I'm like, they're never. They're just. I'm just gonna pretend they don't. Well, I have a GameCube, so I cannot. I can just play them, but I'm gonna assume that they just don't exist anymore because Nintendo just refuses to fucking acknowledge that console. I don't get it. I don't know why they'll bring back the controllers so we can all play Smash Brothers with the controllers. But it's like, can we have one of the games? Like, no, you can't have the games. They throw you out of the car. They don't I mean, it. I was happy that they re-released Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. Oh, yeah, I guess, Wii yeah. U. Yeah, that's true. That was fun. Yeah. But, like, again, those, you can't play those games on a Switch. 
Nope. I don't, I don't know. Fucking Nintendo. I don't get it. Like you're in a slump right now. You have no games right now. God forbid you fucking, now you watch by the time this episode goes live, they'll have announced a Nintendo direct and drop like 14 games. And people have been listening to this for the last five minutes. Like you two idiots. They just announced there's like 12 new Mario games cut or something like that. I hope that's the case. It'll be like all of those games that you just talked about are being re-released tomorrow. I hope that's the case. As we're recording, this is for the record. As we record this, it's August 15th. So if anything gets announced after August 15th, fuck you. I, we didn't know. Um, Okay, we're at almost an hour, and we still have another podcast to do. So I'm, I'm. Okay. You got any other thoughts on this bad boy before we score it? And I have no other thoughts on this game. Then let's send him to his nightmare. There's eight. Ga- there's nine games. We'll count the shitty arena. No, we're going to eight. Eight are on the box. Eight are what we're counting. There's eight games in this cart. Uh, eight. What would you give Kirby Superstar on the Super Nintendo? I'll give it a six. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll go seven. Uh, it's gonna lose a half a point for that fucking tutorial thing and a half a point because it's not super mario world <laughs> and that's it's two that's his two strike but i'm telling you guys seriously like even if you're one of those people that shits on kirby if you don't like kirby i'm telling you like kirby superstar kirby's adventure are both on the nintendo switch kirby's adventures on the nes classic kirby superstars on the snes classic so they're readily available even if you don't like kirby i haven't played a kirby game since i'm telling you these two games are worth playing they're a lot of fun they're really good really really good games yeah, definitely worth like, and again, it's on the Switch Online. You can easily play it. Yeah, it's definitely worth like a few hours of your life. No question. Uh, Mark, thank you very much for doing this, buddy. I am going to hit stop on the recorder right now and go pee and drink some water, and then we'll come back and record another one of these. Cool. Thanks for having me. Cheers. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking Kirby Superstar with me. It might get you back in the hall someday. Uh, And thank every single one of you for listening to our rambling. I really appreciate it. If you're enjoying what the show is all about, if you're enjoying what we do, please consider supporting us on Patreon. It's only $2. It helps me out so much. And you get extra podcasts, early access to podcasts, a shout out on the show, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Our Patreon poll is running till September 7th, so you can get in and vote on that if you get in there now. Check me out on Twitch. I stream every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night, twitch.tv, and then look for Member the Game. Not Remember, Member the Game. If you follow me on there, it'll let you know every time I pop online, you can swing by and chat with me. I love chatting with people while I play video games. And a special thanks again to Alan and Josh at the Press Start to Join podcast for sponsoring this episode of Remember of the game. Find all of their information in the description to this podcast. I seriously strongly, strongly recommend that you check that podcast out. It's very, very good. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You guys are the best. I'll be back on Friday slash Monday with Game Patch. I'll be back on Sunday with Expansion Pass. I'll be on Twitch. Come by and tell me that I suck. Clean your controllers. Wash your hands. And I'll talk to you all again soon. Cheers. Remember the Game is brought to you by our Patreons. We simply couldn't produce all the content that we do without their support, and I would like to take a moment to thank every single person that has supported us at patreon.com slash rememberthegame. So a massive, sincere, heartfelt thank you to 
Aaron Cuphall, Aaron Lawson, Adam Anderson, Adam Shirello, Alex, Alex Martinez, Andre, Andrew Castro, Andrew Halepchuk, Andrew Wright, Andy Baker, Another Stupid Monkey, April Zane, Batter Barhumi, Bearded XP, Ben Buyu, Ben Busha, Ben Drinkin, Bradley McHugh, Brandon O'Brien, Brian McKay, Brian Ransom, Bullfrog, Charlie M, Chris Campbell, Chris Fleury, Chris Wilson, Chuck Schlarp, Corey, Craig Kilcup, Craig Rutt, Crash Bandiquit it. Chris Knife 007, Curtis White, Dan T, Dario Omen, Dave L, Dave McGee, Dave Thompson, Desert Tortoise, Duhow, Doug Dorn, Dustin L, Dylan, Eric Canard, Evan Refuse, Fraser Burns, Gary C, Jin and Chris, James Clark, Jason Adams, Jason Cortez, Jeff Johnson from Game on GNT, Jeffrey Mathis, Joe Buck, Joe Gillespie, Joe Mack, Jordan, Josh Morgan, Josh from the Press Start to Join podcast, Kate Roberts, Casey Rarick, Keegan Wilson, Kevin Chincholo, Kevin Donlin, Kevin Hufford, Cryptobox, Kyle Paul, Lane Orr, Leon Napskog, Les Winan, Lord Egbert, Luca, Mackenzie Wheeler, Mark McHugh, Mark 209, Matt Brown, Matt McLean, Michael Mathis, Michael Hegg, Mike Miklos Blackshaw, Miles, Bring Back Retro, Mr. Nick, Nathan W., Nick Sills, No Juan Cares, Rex, Robert Fuchsia, Robert L., Rome 21, Ryan White, Scott Brooks, Scott V., Sean Razine, Sharonic, Slick Rick, Stupid Monkey, The Bevins Girls, The T Word, Todd, Tony, Travis, Tyler, Fladstein, White Burroughs, Wyman Brooks, Yamcha, Mark Jones, Nathan Tremblay, Ellen C, or Alan C, Andre SJA, Flash, Tom, Brian Medeiros, and Ashley Cronenbitter. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You guys are the best. Take it easy. I'll talk to you again soon. Cheers.